Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the breakfast show. Now, after another year of the Elon Musk owned US aeronautics company SpaceX dominating the headlines about the industry, 2024 promises to bring an uptick in public and private space activity from countries such as China, India, and Japan. China launch startup Land Space Technologies plans to launch reusable rockets in 2025 in an approach that closely mirrors SpaceX, while India aims to begin a series of flight tests for an eventual crewed spaceflight in 2025, while Japan targets its first ever pinpoint landing on the moon in January. Here in Singapore, one startup shares the same ambitious dream, which began when its founder was a kid. Let's delve into the story of how he is determined to leave a mark in the cosmic race. I am, of course, talking about Simon Vuch, the founder and CEO of Equatorial Space Systems, a Singapore-headquartered rocket propulsion and space launch startup. Simon, thank you for propelling yourself into the studio this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very good. Thank you for asking as well. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, when we think of Singapore, we don't typically think space travel. So, my first question to you is: What or who inspired you to venture into the space industry? You know, I think a lot of us actually have our ambitions and dreams involving space,、uh, especially when we are younger. You know, sometimes life throws some curveballs our way, and we give up on them. But、uh, some of us don't, and that was the case for myself. I spent most of my life here in Singapore.、Mm. I thought we should have our own rocket program at some point. And I figured, with the advent of commercial space technologies, with the lowered barriers to entry worldwide, why not give it a shot? And that was the origin story of Equatorial Space. All right, I did a little bit of digging on LinkedIn, your LinkedIn page, and I found that、uh, among other things like、um, swimming, jogging, and hiking, you've also successfully transformed this company from what was initially a community effort into a professional outfit. Could you explain how that came about? Absolutely, we started with very little resources. We were not backed by a billionaire or a successful exit from another company.、Uh, we started off as a bunch of essentially ascended hobbyists, if you will, and、uh, we have managed to transform the company into a proper engineering outfit with deep expertise in every element. Of a space launch vehicle over the years, so、uh, that was a process that took a while. But、uh, we are confident as we enter 2024、mm. in clearing some serious engineering milestones in the next several months. All right. Now you were quoted in a media publication saying that over the last six years we had a hundred reasons to close down and just one to carry on. We chose the latter. Do explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, space is hard.、Um, running a company is always difficult, and、uh, as our friends from Astrobotics found out,、uh, you know there's always things that you, know, you never know until you try. And、uh, the hundred different reasons that we we had to throw in the towel over the last seven years, six years really, were quite daunting at times. We had to go through COVID, which eliminated, well, pretty much killed off any travel、uh, that we could have been doing and testing overseas. 
And uh, we clinged on to that dream because we knew that this is our best chance in making a lasting positive impact on the future of commercial spaceflight. We do have innovative technologies that reduce the environmental impact, mm. the danger involved in space launch, the, uh, the cost involved in space launch. And if we don't continue pushing in that direction, we may never have another chance. Right. Okay. Now, first and foremost, congratulations on opening up your headquarters and production facility in Tuas. It's a state-of-the-art facility, of course. Uh, no pun intended here, but you needed a lot of space we did need for a lot your of space. infrastructure. <laughs> um, you have a 40-foot container accessible production floor, a 420-square-foot avionics and payload processing room. Tell us exactly what do you do at Equatorial Space Systems and what aspirations drive the company? Yeah, we build rockets, really. Uh, and we build rockets that, uh, as I was saying, eliminate a lot of the problems which are normally associated with rockets. Mm. Uh, it happens so we do it here in Singapore. We have presence over in Australia and in the U.S. as well, as well as connections all over the globe. And uh, the facility in Tuas serves as not just the HQ, but also as the production and assembly. And some of the testing is also done over there. We are also in, in the process of setting up another facility in Australia where our ground tests of rocket engines will be taking place in the next few months. Now, I'm assuming it's not a terribly crowded space, um, the space exploration industry here in Singapore. So what sets your company apart from other startups that have tried to do similar things? What's your USP? We need to differentiate with our technology. Technology. Mm. That's the most important element of any deep tech company. Mm. And uh, we achieve that by innovating uh, the most important part of every launch vehicle, which is its propulsion systems and propulsion technology. The space is, no, again, no pun intended, but the space <laughs> is getting more and more crowded, which is a testimony to the commercial viability of commercial space technology companies. Mm. All right. If you're just joining us, we're in conversation with Simon Vush, the founder and CEO of Equatorial Space Systems, a Singapore-headquartered rocket propulsion and space launch startup. Simon, can you elaborate on one of the innovative aspects of your technology? That's the patent-pending HRF-1 fuel formation. Uh, what's special about it and how does it contribute to reducing costs and environmental impact? Certainly. Uh, the technology that we develop is centered on propulsion as I was saying, and most rocket systems use fairly risky types of propellants. We work with what is known as hybrid rocket systems, which split the two substances into a solid and a liquid. Typically, the solid fuel was the limiting factor in terms of the performance of such systems, even though they have plenty of advantages, such as improved safety, because there is a reduced risk of mixing and explosion happening as well as the general simplicity of the rocket engine mm -hmm. compared to a traditional one. Hybrids have always been limited by the performance and behavior of the solid fuels, and that is what we have innovated and resolved with a proprietary patent-pending solid fuel. You touched on something very important there, and that's safety. Could you tell us about the safety checks that you conduct on these rockets? They must be fairly rigorous given the litany of accidents that we've seen over the years absolutely. with respect to rocket launches. Yeah, absolutely. We do eliminate most of the things that can go wrong with a mm. rocket systems. However, there is always a risk. There will never be a perfectly safe rocket the same way there will never be a perfectly safe car or a train or an, or an airplane. Any system that involves compressed gases or oxidizers has to be treated with respect. We conduct stringent checks on every component and every system before we integrate into a flight vehicle. And uh, we follow the best practices of the aerospace industry very closely. 
All right, let's talk about another one of your flagship initiatives, the Low Altitude Demonstrator Prototype Space Rocket. What is its significance as the first commercially built prototype rocket test flight here in Southeast Asia? Yeah, it was a nice accolade to uh, to have, you know, being the first organization to develop a commercial prototype of a commercial rocket. Mm. Uh, however, its most important uh, achievement was demonstrating the structural stability of the very solid fuel that we develop in flight conditions. It is typically one of the problems that hybrid rocket systems face, and we needed to prove that we don't end up ejecting chunks of that solid fuel in flight. We did it in backdrop of particularly challenging times. Mm -hmm. It was back in December 2020. We managed to pull it off and the rest is, uh, well, the rest is up to us. Sure. Now let's talk about um, your operations in multiple countries. You've obviously navigated some of the more daunting challenges of international collaboration. What are the advantages of having a global presence in the space industry? Well, the world is globalized right now, and space may have been a little behind the curve on that, ironically, because it's often controlled by stringent export regulations that may or may not affect international cooperation. However, we did manage to establish global footprint. We did establish the processes required to safely navigate the regulatory landscape. And uh, we are really doing that to pursue opportunities worldwide. Singapore's market, even for space, is not huge. Mm. We know that very well. And uh, no single region can potentially you know, cater to the kind of service that we provide. Right. Now, you've got all of these uh, fantastic initiatives, which leads me to believe that you have a pretty solid financial runway uh, into the next few years. And I say this because there's been quite a steep drop in space investments, um, of course, given the grim economic outlook in the past year. Um, how difficult is it or was it for you to garner funding and investment for some of these projects? Well, we're doing better than ever, actually. <laughs> yeah, this uh, last calendar year, we've done more than 150% in revenue compared to the previous two, three years. And uh, this year, we are on track to exceeding diet by a factor of three. Mm. Uh, the demand for uh, propulsion and launch services and products is only going up. It is remarkably resilient from market forces, which are typically affecting more on the internet and B2C types of companies. We've never been as optimistic as we are right now in terms of our financial performance. Mm. All right. Now, we did talk about the uptick in private and public uh, space exploration initiatives by the likes of China and Japan and India. How do you envision the role of Equatorial in the broader landscape of space exploration, including the goal of eventually sending humans into space? We saw how difficult this is given the recent issues surrounding the lunar landing That's where right. they suffered propulsion issues. So I guess that shows the difficulty of, of a private company. I like, uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that because yeah. that is exactly why we chose propulsion as the main area to innovate and dramatically simplify. The moment you simplify your propulsion system, everything else becomes much easier. Not say easy, but comparatively, it becomes less of a daunting challenge. Mm. All right, Simon, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much for having me. That was Simon Vush, founder and CEO of Equatorial Space Systems, a Singapore-headquartered rocket propulsion and space launch startup. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.